I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair question. It's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair quest, quest, question. Hello there, and welcome to Vic Cohen's It's a Fair Question. And thank God I'm Vic Cohen, because this would be really awkward, and it would be a really poorly named show. Now, I am so excited because I have a guest that I'm bringing to you that uh, she is a, she's a woman. <laughs> In LA, you never know. A woman, she could be a he, you never know. But, but she was born a woman. But that has something to do with this interview. Uh, she's someone I've worked with. She's an actress. And um, I've been wanting to have her on the show because, um, because I just think she's talented and she's fun. And um, I thought you would enjoy meeting her. And you're, you've probably seen her before. And uh, I'm so excited to introduce you to her in just a moment. Now, some of her credits, she is an actress, as well as a mother and a husband. I mean, a wife. <laughs> I, do, I do have some male tendencies. That's hilarious. I just called you. Right. Wow. And I started with, she really is a woman. So yeah. I'm all over the map here. Some of her credits include How I Met Your Mother, Friends, Grey's Anatomy, The West Wing, Becker, Grace Under Fire, Friends with Better Lives. She's also on this YouTube uh, special show called Scare uh, PewDiePie and a web series called Club 5150. You know who I'm talking about, right? I know you do. Mary Gallagher, how are you? I'm good, Vic. It is so good to have you. Really, it is. It's so good to sit here and have someone talk about you. Like I'm listening to those- good things. Yeah. Because it I'm, wouldn't just be as fun if I said bad things. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to what you were saying and I'm like, who is he talking about? Oh, that's me. That's still you. Yes. It's still me. It, we're st- it's all about you. That's what this is about. When do you have an opportunity to just sit and talk about yourself? Not often. Never. Well, in Los Angeles, there are plenty of people too. That's true. I don't. <laughs> so, no, you're more modest. Yeah. yeah. Well, nobody's. Well, look at these credits you have. I mean, they are very impressive. Um, fr- I would say Friends is probably the one that everyone gets really excited about, right? Yeah. I think nothing tops Friends that I've ever done or ever will do. And it was just one episode, but because the show's so well known and now there's a whole new generation of people who watch it, I, I, it's still such a big deal to have been on Friends. Do you get recognized? You know, I have gotten recognized from uh, some real diehard fans. Tell us the role you played so those who do know the show might remember you. Sure. I played Tilly, which was Adam Goldberg's girlfriend, and I came in with a a fish tank, and I had a scene with Matthew Perry and Adam Goldberg, and then a week later I went back to my job waiting tables and that was it. Where were you waiting tables? Um, I was probably at the time waiting tables in Toluca Lake at a place called the Money Tree, which was a jazz club. Was um, there a lot of money? Did you make a lot of money at the Money Tree? Didn't make a lot of <laughs> money. I think I was in the back uh, crying a lot. Oh, that's sad. In the kitchen, yeah. How does that, but, how do you make that transition? You go from working with these A-list stars that, you know, everyone around the world recognizes and then the next, did you have your own trailer? I had my own dressing room for that. With yeah. your name on it? Yes, with my name on it. And I remember that Tom Selleck was on that episode and he was knocking at my door, hanging out with me every step of the way. And because I think Friends was so big at the time that even Tom Selleck possibly felt a little outside right. being on that show. And he would just always knock on my door. He was like, Mary, get out here. I, I need some company. Is there any food in my mustache? Yeah, exactly, yeah. 
Yeah, totally. I remember he had two hot dogs in his hands. He was like, <laughs> come have a hot dog with me. And I was a vegetarian at the time. I'm like, I'm having a hot dog with Tom Selleck. You ate the meat I hot dog. I ate the that hot dog. That is so disappointing. I know. Really? Yeah. You sell out. I mean, I, I go in and out is of vegetarianism it, a lot. Clearly, if Tom Selleck's in the world. <laughs> if it can be that easy to sway me. You're a bad, you're, no offense, but you're I'm a I'm a bad vegetarian. vegetarian. Yeah. If it, it can be that easily swayed. Yeah. Who else would you eat a hot dog with? Uh, my husband, he, I was a vegetarian oh, when nice. I met him and he said, oh, I'm going to fly you home to New Jersey and you're, you're going to meet my Italian mom and she's going to make meatballs. And I was like, oh, I'm a vegetarian. What am I going to turn down my mother-in-law's meatballs okay. when I first meet Good. her? Well, I actually like that you're flexible. You're not militant about it. I am. That's I, I am flexible. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and you know my, you know how militant I my background from, we're is. We're going to get to yeah. that in a bit. Now, uh, how did you get the job on Friends? I got the job on Friends because I was dog-sitting one of the producer's dog. Okay. I, have, I would never accept back to that. Yeah. So you were friends with someone on the show. The Friends thing really worked out. I was, except it took me like a good two years to ask him if I could give him my photo and he was like, oh, you're an actor? I just, okay. I just thought you took really good care of my dog. This is the executive producer. Uh, one of the producers. I don't think he was executive. His name's okay. Jeff Astroff. Okay. He's a, an executive producer now on shows. You keep um, in touch with him? Cause I do, yeah. Has he put you on anything else? Um, He has not put me on anything else, but uh, we are friends and we stay in touch. So when he suggests that you come in for a read. Yeah. Does that mean you have the job right on the spot? Nothing. In fact, it means nothing. All it does is gets your photo to the casting director and then they call you in and knowing someone means absolutely nothing. But it did mean something to get you in. It does mean something to get you in. Did you have to audition on for a bunch of different parts over a year or so? Before no, got- I got that job right for friends. I got that job right away. Okay. Now I don't want to be argumentative, but maybe knowing him... <laughs> did help you on your very first audition at Friends. You think so? Well, I we don't know. I mean, if you were if you sucked, you wouldn't have gotten the job. That's true. I mean, I mean you know, and we don't know the politics of yeah. that, but it couldn't have hurt. It could not have hurt. Well, that's a good point because like Grey's Anatomy, I think I went in nine, ten times on that show before I got a part on that show, you know? Why did it take you two years to ask this guy to look at your picture? I don't like to bug people. You know, I feel like, have you ever been in that position no, where you've bothered like someone? Oh, no. Well, I'm more like you where I'm, you know, I, I might know someone who has yeah. a big job and something that could help me and I'm a little rough. Exactly. I'm always kind of scared to throw it out there. And, and then I have thrown it out there at times and I've been like, oh, I bugged that person. So I'm always very, when do you ask? When do you not? It's a hard, uh, it's hard to tell. It is. Because you also want someone to, you know, who you like as a friend to know you like them because... Yeah. They're a friend, not because of how they can help you. Exactly. So it can be kind of tricky. It really is. What is the biggest job you've had that where you get the role and you're jumping up and down screaming and you're calling your parents in Wisconsin? <sighs> yeah. Was it the friend's job? No, I would say um, when I did a pilot with Rob Reiner, that was really exciting. Okay. Rob to- Reiner is the son of Carl Reiner, who was like a legendary older comic and creator of shows like Dick Van Dyke. Rob Reiner, if you didn't know, was in All in the Family. Spinal Tap, right? He was Meathead in All in the Family. uh, He's been in so many things. So many things. Great movie director. Was this a regular, like a recurring role? Yes, this was um, actually the the female lead on the show. And he was my father-in-law and uh, Mercedes Rule was my mother-in-law. And then my husband was played by Josh Radner from How I Met Your Mother. So just very exciting all the way around. And how, there was a pilot shot, like yeah, a sample we shot episode? Yeah, we shot a pilot for NBC. Did it air? 
Um, it never did. No, it's like, uh, uh, again, like you, you, you have these really exciting opportunities and then the next week you're back to whatever it is that you do in between. Back to the money tree. Back to the money tree. <laughs> Even though it's gone and torn down. It's been shot I'm back down. In, I'm back in the parking lot. It's so insulting that you, like, like for people not making money to be working at a place called the money tree. <laughs> I mean, it's such a slap in the face. It really is. Like what? $3 yeah. in tips? I what? thought this is the money tree. It's crazy. So uh, <laughs> did you cry like when you didn't get the, like when you found out, were you like, this is going to be my career or no, I you think, skeptical um, enough or scared? You know, I don't know if you and enough. I have ever talked about this, but I feel like I deal with rejection pretty well. Okay. Like I, I right, know a right. lot of actors who say, oh, I can't take this, the rejection. Um, I kind of feel like bring it on. You know, I actually feel probably more comfortable in the rejection right. than it's the acceptance, the acceptance that, you know, <laughs> scares me. Yeah. So no, I've never had that problem. I mean, of course there's disappointment when things don't go, but um, what do they say? One door opens and a window breaks or something. Something like that. Something like Something's that. breaking. <laughs> a door closes and a yeah, window opens. Window opens, yeah. Uh, so uh, when was that, that pilot? Uh, that was a good 10 years ago. Yeah. Okay. Great. And you do a lot of hidden camera stuff, right? I do. Yeah. Now I'm on a show um, called Fameless, David Spade's hidden camera show, which you've been on yeah. too in yeah, the pilot. And you were amazing in that pilot. Oh, my, daughter and I, my daughter and I, when we watched that pilot, yeah. we literally rolled our bodies back and forth on the bed laughing so hard oh. at you. Oh, at, that's uh, great. Be, at uh, WD Backseat Justice. Right, right. Oh my that's God, really you're so fun. good in that. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's really nice of you to say. Yeah, it was a really a lot of fun. I mean, we also did a deal with it with Howie Mandel. That's right, we did. So I, that's where I first met you. Yes. So you're from you're from Milwaukee or yeah, I'm uh, from a Milwaukee suburb. Um, it's kind of considered uh, Waukesha County, actually, which is where the Violent Femmes are from. Do you know the okay. Violent Femmes? I don't. They yeah, sound violent. They're, they're, <laughs> they're like a, you know, hip indie band that's went national and um, they're from my part of town. Now, for those of you who aren't watching, because we have two versions, we have a video version and then we have an audio version of this show, this episode, I'm going to describe to you Mary. Mary is wait. Mary is like the girl next door. Um, she's kind of cute and sweet looking. Uh, I imagine, you know, she'd be the, the kind of girl your mom would, if you're a guy, <laughs> would want, you know, to marry, you know, hurt you to marry. Uh, she's probably high school cheerleader. Uh, no. Sadly, no. But does still have a uniform. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I would husband. be the girl who would practice cheerleading but in a uniform at home in my room, but never actually never. be on the team. Uh, probably, she's probably, she looks like, um, like, Homecoming Queen. Really? Yeah. Wow. Am I, I nailed it, right? Uh, no, I've never heard that before, yeah, but you, I'll gladly take it. You just it. have that sweetness, like all-American uh, thing. I do have a Except sweet thing Except you start talking. On. I know. Because that accent is incredible. It really is. And it's not a bad thing. It's it very busy character. Yeah, especially if I'm relaxed, it really comes out. This is uh, a far, obviously, you know, distance from kind of rural Wisconsin, right? I mean, was it rural? Uh, suburb. Okay. No, I never even saw a cow. No. Like a total suburb. Right. I thought you meant a total, you were going to say a total cow. <laughs> I, I saw parts. Was this the plan as a kid to come out to Los Angeles and no, pursue your acting? I never hardly talked as a child. <laughs> I, my, well, you said your first word at like 12. <laughs> probably. I was very shy. My parents, very strict. And I think it wasn't until I found that, like, I didn't know people could be actors. I found acting in college and I was like, what do you mean there's an acting class? What say does that college, mean? Say college. College. You didn't say it that way. You said college. Talent. Talent. Yeah. So oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, criminy. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so real. 
Is that how your parents talk? Um, no, they don't. We do not speak that way. <laughs> Vic. So you said that your parents, you said very militant. I think we, we use the word militant. In a true which, sense. Yeah, because they were both in the Marines. Yes, my parents are retired Marines, but they met in the Marine Corps. And, you know, I can make a bed. Like, I was going to say, like, your shoes must have been shining. Oh, my gosh. I get up. People laugh at me. My friends are always laughing at me. I get up at 4 a.m. every day. Seriously? Yeah. And people think it's weird, but you know what? I just have to own it now. I get up early. When do you go to bed? I go to bed about 9.30, sometimes someone, 10 o'clock. Does someone play the bugle? I mean, how far <laughs> do you take In my head. <laughs> yes, in my head. But, like, it literally is in every fiber of my being. I can't. I can't like, I get nervous if people sleep over at our house. I'm like, oh, how, how does this affect me getting up early? Like, are they going to hear me get up? Because I have to get up. I have to. What do you do at four in the morning? Everything. I. So you're a morning person, huh? Total morning person. You have to be. Yeah. I'm a night I mean, I can't fight it. Even if I went to bed at 2 a.m., I would get up at four. So what are your parents, they, growing up, were they, um, I I mean, the stereotype would be like. Strict. I was scared. Yeah. yeah. Are you still scared? Yes. So you can't honestly talk to your dad about things or your mom? Um, no, I can. They have definitely softened up over the years. Um, but like there's definitely a, I don't know if it's a fear or if it's just a, you know, that you revere your parents or I don't know what it is, but like my parents in my mind are like these really big, huge people. But you know, my mom's like five, seven. No, my mom's petite. What goes on in Wisconsin that there's a military base? Um, they were out of the Marine Corps by the time they were in Wisconsin. They met in Honolulu. Like they always say they fought the battle of Waikiki. They were sitting on the beach. So they They never saw action. No. I mean, they probably saw some action, but hey, um, (laughs) no. So they were not career Marines, but you would think if you were to meet them that they were in for a very long time because they're very proud. Did your dad own a gun? My dad has owned guns. Yeah. Did he ever use them, like threaten boyfriends with them? Like you better take care of my. <laughs> my crap. mom was the one to be scared of with boyfriends. I what would say it do? was my mom. She would just, um, like, my mom would never use the name of the person. So I'd be like, "Mom, this is Mike." She'd be like, "Well, that boy. If that boy comes over here, that boy needs to know that that boy is in our house." Like she would never actually use his name. Right. So there was just a distancing of you know. You should have dated someone named Boy. Just to screw with her. Or just say that. We're going to say your name is Boy. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then what would she say? That um, young man. Don't be so clever. <laughs> yeah. So you're a funny woman, funny person. Did your parents think you were very funny or did they think you were a bit of a smart ass? No, I was never like this around my parents. Like I, I think I kept the fact that I was getting into acting for a very long time from them because I was scared of how they would react And even like, even today, like that Rob Reiner pilot that I told you about, I played a psychiatrist and I told my mom, we have a psychiatrist coming on set to teach us how to be a psychiatrist. And her response was, you could get into psychiatry now. (laughs) You know, like forget that you are cast as a series regular on a TV show. Right. If I am an actor playing a cop, she's like, you could get into police work, you know? (laughs) So whatever part I play, she thinks that's my future career. Right, it's like training. Yeah, it's like training because all this know. other stuff is just make-believe. Right, that's really good. Right, but it's fun. Well, it's, the, what, when you were on Friends, were they 
proud? Did they tell they all were their very friends proud. and, and yes. make a deal out of it? I'm kind of exaggerating a little bit about my parents because they are very proud of me. Um, they just have their moments where they're like, oh, what is this? Like, you, like my dad would go, now, Mary, explain to me again what you're doing. I said, well, dad, I got to go to this audition to pick up these sides. And he'd go, now, what are slides? I've heard you talk <laughs> about the slides several times. I'm like, dad, no, it's sides of a script. Like, so there's just a, a distance that I think they put between me and what I do because it's more comfortable for them that way. Mm-hmm. Do they worry about you? Um, I don't think so. You're married. You have a child. Yep. You've got a real nice life. I got it all going you know, on. I got a husband and a kid. And um, I frankly am, I am, I wonder why they don't come over every day and go, well, you're cool. You know what I mean? Like I am such a good person. Who your parents? You mean? Why my parents. I, I'm always they, waiting. Do they ever for, come over? They've never been out? Yeah. They, no, they live in Hollywood. Your parents moved? Yes. They moved from Wisconsin to Hollywood. Because it's so much like Wisconsin. <laughs> exactly. It's like being at home. So they live here. And I'm always wondering, why aren't they coming over going, you won. You're doing really good. But they, they're always like, hmm, still acting, huh? Wow. Isn't that interesting? Well, it's kind of, it's, I feel bad a little bit for you. Because that sounds painful. Yeah. There, yeah. I mean, because you're, you know, you're very successful. Yeah. And in all the ways that success, the way I see it, I mean, not just in a career way. Right. But, uh, you know, we were talking about your daughter earlier and yeah. you, know, you take a lot of pride in being a mom. I do. And clearly you're doing a great job. Thank you. And, you know, uh, as far as being a wife, I've, you seem fantastic there. We didn't get into too much of the specifics. I think so. I think but. I'm my own very good cheer, cheerleader. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like I have, uh, yeah, I definitely have experienced pain with that feeling of, I mean, I don't know, do uh, do all people kind of feel that way about their parents or are a lot of parents like, oh, we just support everything you do. I mean, that's the way I am with my kid, but is that a generation thing or is it just? I don't think it's that simple. I think like anything, they're all types of people. Right. And I know my parents are more kind of along the lines of we love whatever you do, although if I did a stand-up set, my dad, he'll tell me if I sent him, a, you know, the audio, like, you swore a lot. You know, I mean, he right. will be very honest, which is, I am asking. Right. But th- as far as do I believe, do I know they believe in me? Yes. Right. Now, with your parents, what's interesting is they moved close probably because they love you. Yeah. They want to be with you. I think so. I mean, there's a there are a lot of places to live. Yeah. Now, are they in their, like, 70s or something? Yeah. And to 70s, move to Hollywood. 80s. I know. I mean, that's, when you say Hollywood, you mean literally Hollywood? Yeah, in Hollywood. Yeah, they actually manage an apartment building that I used to manage. And uh, my husband actually came up with the idea when we left the building. He said, you know, who would be great to take over this building? Your parents. So they live rent free? Yes. My mom's the manager and that building is run. She like, doesn't take. Oh my God. It's Lights um, out, everyone. <laughs> It's really true. It's 10 o'clock. Lights out. It's really true. And what's so interesting is the building is filled with actors, gay people. They still haven't figured it out. Well, I mean, like they definitely have had a lot happen in their life where they're, I think we're all evolving, right? And I think that like different things now have happened that affect my parents as as people, you know. They moved out here how long ago? Uh, 10 years ago. Okay, because, yeah. you know, quite honestly, hearing that kind of gave me the shivers. Like, really? In the sense of it's almost too close. Yeah. Like, not incestuous, but kind of like boundaryless. Like, 
they're taking over your job. I don't know. Um, it feels like too close to home almost, but that's just me. Well, it's not in the sense because my parents are, you know how some parents stay and you're like, oh, I need my parents out of here now. My parents are the opposite. They'll come over for five minutes and then they'll be like, well, we're leaving now, Mary, because we want to give you your space. They're very, um, they're very private and they're very, um, they never want to overstay their welcome. And is this their plan to retire out here then? Uh, no, I think they would gladly probably get out of Hollywood at some point. Yeah. I think they're probably looking at other places to retire and, you know, to straighten up and ship up, shape right. up. Well, like I said, you know, sometimes love is shown just through actions rather than the verbal of... Isn't that so true? You know, and, and I don't believe that's necessarily generational. I think that's just how people, we are all different. That's so true. And I mean, like I realize with my parents, they're just like, I'm very kind of like this artistic, touchy-feely type person they're just not that way. You know, that's just a different, they, they, I guess, show things in other ways. Well, my dad is like a hardcore business guy and he's very funny and he's very loving. His thing, his life is really around the business world. And my world is more like you're describing more emotional. Yeah. Getting in touch with I, I hate to say feelings, but <laughs> yeah. understanding how my mind works, going yeah. to therapy, uh, you know, really, uh, because I, I, it's not because I choose to, it's because I have to. Right. Like I, get, when I deal with being depressed or whatever, I need to find solutions. Me too. You know, so it's not because I just happen to, like some people like to make pottery. It's not like I just like to yeah. get into psychology. It's survival. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that's not been his thing, you know, so- and then I go, I'll do a thing where I'll kind of shame myself. I'll be like, what? Like, that's the, wow. like, like, that's the right way to be. Like, you know, you right. should be a business guy, like really in the hardcore world of business. And, yes. you know, and, and the fact I'm not, like I'm somehow doing something wrong or deficient. Right. And yet, you know, my strengths are just really strong in other areas. It's so true. Just as strong as my dad's are in the business world. I don't know where that comes from, but it's, I, I, I don't want to go there, you know, if I do. I, th I think it's a great journey in life to not only understand what you're all about, but to understand your parents and see that they see things differently and it's not right or wrong. I mean, may maybe some, some people, for some people that's a wrong thing. But for me, I'm just learning that they are just the people that they are and that's just different from me, but not right or wrong. Well, also there are qualities that like with my father and his work life, he's very disciplined He's hardworking. Yep. He, you know, these are all attributes that I can take. Yes. And use as a model. Exactly. So, you know, what he does is not really important. It's how he how conducts he his it. life. Yeah. And he does it with integrity, love. He's loyal to my mom, doesn't cheat on her, doesn't right. treat her like, you know, he, he really loves her to death. Yeah. So regardless of, um, you know, the specifics, it's, yeah. you know, I do take that. It's so and true. And I can apply that to my life. It's so true. And we don't, did you, I don't know about you, but do you rarely think of those things? Because my parents too, they've been married for 56 years. Um, they're, they're, they still work today, full time. Yeah, my and, dad has a business with my, my brother runs it with them. Right. And rarely do I walk around talking about that. Instead, I make jokes about how, oh, they're so militant and, you know, but like I take all that with me. I, I know I'm a hard working actor because of who they are. And I know, you know, things that I think about in marriage is because of what I've seen. And, um, but rarely do I kind of comment on it's that. It's an unfair, it's really part of probably the unfair, um, one of the unfair parts of being a parent is yeah. that the child 
because we're kind of programmed, I think, to see the fault, yes. to see the bad. Uh, because we were, I don't know why, maybe it's survival. You know, we're looking for the problem to solve. Right. And some of that means overlooking all the good. Right. And, and plus, don't you think with comedy too, like if you just focus on all this stuff that is so easy for you, that's not very funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. You know, it's the, it's the quirks. Yeah. You know, the thing about the slide versus side. You yeah. Know? Uh, yeah, for, for sure. Right. Yeah. But it's, um, but it's nice we've taken a minute to look at our parents and yeah. uh, that way. I try to. You know, but it is, you're right. We, it, it's more for whatever reason, easy to see what did I not get? I, I know. Versus what are that? what have I got? Yeah, it's and so I've true. And I've gotten so much. It's so true. And no one yeah, can give you everything. Yeah, because both your parents are alive still. Thank God. Yeah. As I said, as of right as of now, right now. I mean, I'm going to call them back <laughs> since you've asked. But you know, ultimately, I think um, it's my job to make myself happy and to approve of me. That's so true. You know, it doesn't really, at some point... As much as it's nice to have a parent approve, yeah. Um, if I don't love myself and my choices or feel good about me, yes, it's irrelevant. It's so true. You, you know, know um, someone. I'm in this this great acting class for the last couple of years. This class that I just really adore. And about a two years ago, someone said to me, and I, you've probably heard the saying, but I've never heard it or it's never resonated with me. Which is, someone told me the saying, "What others think of me is none of my business." Yeah. And that just hit me in such a way where I was like, really? That's, I can, I can take that on. Like I can accept that. And ever since then, I feel like, um, I have allowed myself to just be and where before really my whole life for several decades was just, oh, what does someone else view this as? Or what, do, what does someone else think of this as opposed to what does Mary think of this? Mm -hmm. Like even my parents, like what do they think of my acting and this? And it's like, it's just so draining. Right. Where did that come from? You think? Um, birth. <laughs> I don't know. You came right out and said, how was that? <laughs> did I come out smoothly or did you struggle yes. too much? Yes. What is the rating on that? What's the, uh, I've got. Because I can go back in and do it again. You know. And how would you like to do it many different ways? Or exits. Would you like me to do it with an accent? That's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> That's so true. So, yeah. um. Yeah, I'm I'm still processing that saying, but that is just my favorite thing to remind myself, you know? Well, it's a hard one when you are performing because by yeah. nature, performances have reviews and if yes. no one likes what you do, you don't work. Yes, exactly. And I think too, also after having a kid, I definitely am curious as to what she thinks of me all the time, you know? So I wonder if that's an exception is that you wonder what your children think of you because I definitely want to be someone that my daughter's proud of. And I'm curious if you can not think about what other people think of you, including your kids, and still be present in every way. Right. I think that the answer to me would be, is it right-sized? That would be like, you know, if, if I'm overly concerned about what anyone thinks of me, if it doesn't seem, mm. if it doesn't feel internally right-sized and normal size... Or Good point. What, then, then I think that there's something that I need to look at. Right. So, you know, if it feels right sized and the amount of you check in on your daughter and see what she's thinking. Or I like that. that. But if it feels a little too heavy, then. Yeah. Because the danger is, I think, perhaps you don't want to make your daughter your parent. Ah, oh, so true. You know, and if you look to your child for you know, this feeling of, of, of validation. That's a really good point, Vic. You know, because they're your kid. 
That's they so don't true. Need, they don't they need, don't that, need that, that pressure. I know. And it also then, you know, it makes the love that you give less conditional. That's unconditional. so true. Yeah. Because a kid's going to want it, you know, it's survival, that love. You're right. So you're not going to a, the source of uh, of a real independent person. Right, exactly. You know, it's a little biased in self-interest there with the child. That's a really good point. You know? Yeah. So, and also it, it might be modeling something you don't want your child to be doing. Right. Which is, if it's not right-sized, again, every now and then, how do I look? Did you like the show? You know? Yeah. But if it feels too intense, right. too much. Yeah, that's a lot of weight to put on anyone. Or you catch yourself. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, don't, I can ask my husband. It's good parenting advice right. from Vic Cohen. I like it. Well, um, thanks. Yeah, I mean, and I don't have kids, but I've, you know what? I Being a kid and doing a lot of therapy and that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's insightful. It's, yeah. But, you know, it's also insightful of you to that notice that you might do that with your daughter. Yeah, exactly. So true. Yeah. yeah. I think um, having, not using a child for what your husband's job is, is important or any for anyone. Right. You know, because it's your, it would be more your husband perhaps, but even there, it's like, you don't want anyone to be, anyone's approval to be ultimately defining your Exactly. And putting any self-approval. Yeah. And making any one person, all these things, it's just, you know, crazy, isn't it? Yes. I think that, you know, we are different people with different people. And how great is that, that we can, you know, have these different relationships and not burden any one person with, oh, you know, I need this from you or, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a natural, like I said, I think there's a natural amount of that that's needed of, right. of approval. Yeah. But when it's too much. Yeah. It's just too much. It's just too much. Yeah. When it's too much. It's just too much. That should be saying or something, right? <laughs> now, I um, was looking at, I, I am going to brag a little, although it's barely bragging. You did a webisode series or web series. Oh, yeah. Uh, 5150. Um, that's not the full title of it. Yeah, it's getting Club, a 51. Club um, 5150. Get, yeah, okay. Club, how did you find Club 5150? How did you get submitted for that? Um, I had worked with Steve Silverman, the creator of it, uh, maybe... 10, 12 years ago, he produced a show in Hollywood Hollywood called 15 Minutes of Femme. It was a oh, like showcase that. for females and it was kind of like a competition and you would do something, you know, with your talent. And he produced that for several years and really went all out on that and really got a lot of acclaim and notice for that showcase. And I had stayed his friend and known him throughout the years. And then he cast me in that show along with Krista Flanagan from Mad TV, who's just hilarious. She's also from Mad Men. Mad Men. And she, her credits also include ER and The Practice. She's even in Curb Your Enthusiasm. I watched the whole series. Now, that sounds like a lot, but you, you know, it's great, guys, if you want to catch it. Uh, you just literally Google the name of the show, Club, C-L-U-B, 5150. And you can watch the whole thing in like an hour. Did you know what a, episodes. Did you know what a fifty one fifty is before you watched it? I did. Okay. Not from uh, my own personal experience. Okay, I had no idea. Yeah, a fifty one fifty guys in L A at least is the code for bringing someone into the psychiatric ward of a hospital against their own wishes. Uh, it gives legal authority, and that is done with. Uh, there has to be a psychiatrist, I believe. Yeah. Some kind of medical, uh, you know, evaluation, and literally a cop shows up at the door. And takes this person away for 72 hours, is it? I think so. At least in this series it was. Yeah. Now, I loved that series. And I'll tell you why. And I want to tell you guys too, you know, wherever you're watching, 
if you are listening, if you have an interest in doing a series, do it. Some of these episodes, the first one, uh, there are four episodes. Most of them were around 15 minutes or so. Online, you can do whatever you want. The first one was full length, I believe, like the round what a, a half hour would be. But it was very smart. There are only about five interiors. Right. Um, so smart. You know, and, and so and the reason that's important is because there's not a lot of money. You don't have to spend a lot on locations. How many days did you shoot that? Uh, we probably shot that for about a week, but Steve Silverman is so good at producing his own content. He has a series called Pretty Out, which is really popular. Is it P-R-E-T-T-Y? Yeah. Just the way it sounds? Yeah, it's okay. about a, a girl who's in the um, beauty contest. You know what I mean? It's played by an adult, but she's supposed to be like a five-year-old in oh, okay. beauty contest. That won some awards, didn't it? Yeah. Something he's done, I know. Yeah. One of his series. I mean, he's really known for um, webisodes. And so every time he does it, they just keep getting, you know, more and more elaborate. And um, it's funny, he's he's told me that he'll have like networks calling or people calling him and he thinks, oh, great, I'm going to sell my series. But they're calling to say, how do you do this? Like, can you give us some tips on you know, producing right. content. How does he make money though? Because the views weren't, the last series there, it, where I was looking, the views were not super high yet. Yeah. And I think that's the battle that he has had is, you know, pulling out a credit card and going, okay, well, I can keep funding these things. You can find clever ways to keep funding them and finding credit, right? But then what do you do with it when it becomes too much to, you know, you have to make money at some point. Right. There's no advertising. He, it seemed like he's not doing it on an ad revenue exactly. uh, generating site. Right. I think he's still trying to kind of figure out, you know, where is the best thing. I, I think ideally it would be to sell it to Hulu or something. Okay. But it's called Club 5150. And um, I just, you know, sometimes you, you, you'll go and watch a whole series and it can take two days. Yeah. I mean, what I love is I can say, I watched the whole, the whole thing, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's like binge watching in its quickest form, it's right? It's so good. In an hour, you're done. I love that. So there was a line you had in it. Um, actually, I had it on my cell phone about Ted's penis. Do you remember that line? Um, it's about the size. It was really a funny line. Was it? You have, a, you have such a great, you know, fun character in that. Uh, I mean, the star, the featured character is is. Krista Flanagan, yeah. who is basically going to be taken from her home in a fit with a 5150. And you play Nancy. I play her, her best friend. From elementary school. Or yeah. high school, and you were in swing choir together, correct? Yes, exactly. Now, and I'm all, I'm all dolled up with big hair and, and very red lipstick. for days. Yeah. And I think it's funny when dirty things come out of my mouth, right? Because you said I look like a girl next door. Yeah, yeah. So I, I notice I'm often given copy of, you know, oh, is she going to say it? You know, like That's interesting. Uh, it's kind of funny maybe if I yeah. am. And it's hard for me too, because I don't, I, I'm not real comfortable being that. Um, so maybe there's a nervousness too that I'm kind of like. You feel uncomfortable Well, I'm probably dirty? thinking about my parents, right? I'm probably thinking, wow, what would. You know, that's not how I was raised. Were you not allowed to swear around them or? Um, yeah, I don't think I would swear. I think I have, you know, probably be concerned about uh, just, I guess, being that good girl, right? That's something that I'm constantly battling still is um, being the good girl, the pleasing person and freeing myself from that and just being who I am. And what do you mean by the 
the good girl. Exactly. Well, it's something I, we talk about in this acting class that I was telling you about. Um, is that there's like a good girl and a bad girl, and the good, do we all have that? Yes, like we boy, all have it. A good boy there's and a good bad Vic one. and bad Vic, and bad boy Vic does not mean you're bad. It just means you don't care about what anyone else is thinking. Is it's, that selfish? Or is not in the about best selfish. way, selfish okay. as an artist. Yes, in the best way. Okay, that you're there to. Where energy. do you take classes? Uh, this is a guy named Ian Tucker. Aren't you like? Don't you know enough already that you still need to take classes? Come on. You know, it's not uh, right. <laughs> I'm kidding, I but wish. I know that a lot of people. You know, it's an art, right? You keep learning. It is because it, I mean, sometimes as as an actor, I think most of the time you're not getting paid to act. So I think class, if anything, is a way for you to stay working that muscle. Right. And I wouldn't even call it so much a class as it's we're all hanging out and just kind of being in the moment. I want to, um, I hate this expression, but I'm going to say it, put a pin in that. Okay. I want to pick up with big, bad girl and good girl in a minute. Okay. Um, but I did want to ask you about with friends, how much did you get paid to be on friends? Because I think a lot of people believe you must have made thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars. Because you're working at the money tree. Yes. So you go to Friends and you've worked the one episode. Right. What was that SAG after a payment? I think at the time, uh, one episode is like $3,000, something like it's that. It's amazing. Does that sound right? Yeah. I mean, that to me, that sounds, yeah. And yeah. Then, did you still get residuals? Yeah. And then when it first reruns, when you do a TV show and you're there for a week, when it first reruns the first time, you get the same amount again. Okay. So you're always going to get so that same amount a second time. Then every time it runs, it slowly gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. So you're literally years later getting, you could get checks for like 13 cents. Have you gotten that from friends? Oh yeah. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. The so, most exciting part of my day is opening the mail. Because, <laughs> or saddest. <laughs> or saddest, yeah. But if there's anything, you're excited. Actors are always excited to get the mail. You call it mailbox money? Yeah. Isn't that what some yeah, people call it? Definitely. And do you yeah. remember that bar? I don't know if it's still- Residuals? Residuals, right? If you brought in a residual check, you get a free drink. And they were like really low. Res really I mean, low. you're not going to bring a big residual yeah, check. Yeah. I've literally got checks for 0, 0.00. I don't know why they're sending that. Right. But Just have you to rub it that? in your face. No, I haven't. You're bragging. They'll, they'll, <laughs> Stop they'll, bragging. They'll show you we did the taxes and they'll take time to send you a check for zero cents. Yeah. I'm like, isn't this costing money to tell me that you're not giving me any money? Right, right. <laughs> well, so, th so, and that's such a brutal part of acting is that for one role, you know, you might have a hundred people. Right. And they all look a lot like you. So true. And then you get the role and it only pays $3,000 and then another 3000 and then it whittles and whittles down. So it really does. I think without being on a series, how can you, you know, I mean, like, it seems like the goal is for most people to be on a series, I'm assuming, to yeah. have a weekly paycheck, right? I mean, I don't know how these other actors do it who go from just kind of like part to part. And Are you, Is your husband in the business? Uh, my husband is a singer with a big band. He's got like a... Now, are you bragging when you say a big band or it's literally a big band? It's a big band. <laughs> It'd you be think funny if you're like, it's really big band. It's like Coldplay. He's in it. <laughs> people always wonder, what does that mean, a big band? No, it's like, like the a, 40s, 50s, like yes. swing? Yeah, American Songbook. What does he Frank uh, play? Frank Sinatra type. Um, he sings. He plays piano, oh, right. but okay. with the big band, he sings. He puts the band together and he, um, it, uh, you know, runs the band. Is he on the road a lot? He is. Right now he's in uh, Atlantic City. And what's the name of the band? No Vacancy Orchestra. 
And is that hard on your marriage for him to be on the roads? I lot? think it's probably a good thing for our marriage. You know what you I mean? you guys hate each other. No, <laughs> because like you miss the person when you, they're gone. The absence lo- makes the heart go I fun. think so. It's scary if it doesn't, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, definitely, because I think if you have two artists living under the same roof, you're around a lot. And right. then you're like, oh, you're going, you're going out of town? Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I'll see you in a week. So I think it's a good thing. And you do stand up, I know. Uh, you mentioned a little of that earlier. It, are you on the road doing that or is that mostly here in town? I went on the road once. I did one gig uh, on you, the you road. You got lost. It was on the way to the improv. Yeah. <laughs> it was at a restaurant. I know. took a hey. left turn on Melrose. I should right. have turned right. Um, yeah, I went one time and that was really exciting. And then... Um, Where was that? I have a family. I uh, opened up at uh, Acme in Minneapolis. Oh, okay. Have you ever been, been there? I have not. Yeah. Cool. Was that because it was near, uh, you were like near Wisconsin or probably, something? Yeah, I probably knew so someone ago. from Milwaukee who moved over to Minneapolis. So tell me now again about the bad girl and good girl. So what you're telling me, and this is something that was discussed in your class, yeah. your acting class that you're trying to apply to real life, not just acting. All the time, yeah. Is that part of you, the Mary that's the good girl, you're finding gets in the way of you being authentically who you are. Oh, that is, you put it so good, Vic. Thank you. That's yeah. it. And it's, the bad girl isn't, has nothing to do with being bad. It's really just being your authentic self. Yes. And not caring about the manipulation of trying to win people over by <gasps> being nice. It's exhausting just hearing you say it. Right. Because you're, as they say, and you're enough. Yeah. Just who you are. Yes. And you're probably going to get better results from your audition because people can pick up on manipulation. Yes. And the yeah. acting is really supposed to be done on the, in the script. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and you're there to entertain. You know what I mean? Like um, when I first started studying with Ian Tucker and I heard someone say that, you know, he talks about us as entertainers, like that is so far removed from like maybe when you first come out to LA and you realize, oh, I'm doing acting because it's fun and I'm an entertainer. And somehow along the way, you tend to, meaning me, lose that feeling of why you're doing it, that suddenly you're trying to get a job and you're trying to pay your bills and you're trying to impress someone from your past. It's like, oh no, you were doing this originally because it was fun. So what does Ian, your teacher, uh, what does he say as far as how to put that into practice? Well, it's all just about jumping off the cliff. You know, it's literally about trusting that you're enough and that you jump and that you're dangerous and you're instinctive and, and, and everything that you are comes into play. You don't need to work on anything. Your instincts as a human and how you see the world all come into play. So it's kind of like the anti-acting class. Yes, it is the best. It is my most exciting night out is going to my class. Well, you know, I think that there are two types of great actors. There's one who is great at being just who they are. Mm-hmm. Okay, and people would say they're not acting there. Right. But, but that's not easy. Right. So I consider like an Adam Sandler. I think, I'm not saying he's a great actor. I love him. But he's himself. The best. At being, he's great at being him. Is he great at being a lot of other people? He's not that actor. That's Philip Seymour Hoffman. Well, in Spanglish, chameleon. wasn't he great in Spanglish though? Did you ever see that? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, incredible performance. But no, I know what you're saying. Or the other Most one. Most of the time. He's... To me, shades of gray of who he probably is in real sure. life. And yeah. the same with, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, ben St- uh, Still- uh, Ben Stiller? Yeah. Yeah. Ben Stiller to me is basically Ben Stiller. Right. He's coming from a place of shades the of gray Ben that you're- and, you know, Yeah. But he's great at doing that. Right. And that's not easy. Right. 
But then, like I said, the Philip Seymour Hoffman. Daniel Day-Lewis. You know, they're chameleons. Right. Yeah. So, you know, like what being comfortable with he, with you, yeah, I think probably applies to both types of actors. I think so. I mean, I think you have to start with a base, right? You have to start first with yourself. Yeah. I mean, maybe someone can just jump into other people. Maybe that's what these chameleon actors do. Um, I know I'm always comfortable playing someone other than myself. I did st- stand up for a long time in a character that wasn't me. And I had a different name and nobody knew it was me. And I was fearless as that character because I felt like I was hiding behind something safe. Mm-hmm. But then after so many years, I wanted to see if I could drop that and just Who's be Mary. Uh, it was a character named Shelby Gratt. And I went on stage. I kind of uh, interrupted shows and kind of took the audience by storm from the audience and got up on stage. And people thought that there was a crazy person. I in love the, that kind of humor. And uh, I had an organization called Sisters for Celibacy. And I would talk to the audience about celibacy. And, you know, it was just a lot of puns. Who was that person based on? Probably, probably mom? my mom. Yeah, <laughs> probably, right? Raised Catholic and yeah. Did you go to Catholic school? No, but I did go to CCD, which was on Monday nights. Uh, Is that a Bible study or something? Yeah, that's like a Catholicism class. Oh, that's interesting. And everyone I ask, nobody knows what CCD stands for. No. Even people who have been in CCD. Even priests. Yeah. <laughs> They have no idea. Jesus himself. No Believe idea. me. You know, Jesus in West Hollywood. <laughs> There's a guy that walks around in a gown. Oh, totally. Looks like Jesus oh, in, yeah, I've in seen West him. Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Um, so where do you see yourself like as far as the future goes? You know, like uh, career-wise? And, yeah. Um, well, I really want to be on a show. I really want to well, be. you are on a show. You're on It's a Fair Question. I That's mean, come true. On. You're right. What next? You're right. That's so true. I think I want to do a show about, you know. Like a sitcom? Tr- yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I think I told you that I'm working with this writer and um, just kind of forming a show about my Marine Corps parents. If people wanted to see your work, where do they go online? Um, my website, marygallagher.tv. And it's uh, M-A-R-Y-G-A-L-L-A-G-H-E-R? You're very good at spelling. Is that correct? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Mary Gallagher. And the other thing was that Club 5150. Yes, I think that's at club5150.com. Now you, uh, I know you're from Wisconsin, but prior to your journey out to Los Angeles, you did a stopover in Chicago at Second City. Is that I correct? did, yeah. And how long were you there? I was there for about three years. And what, how was that part of your life? I loved it. It was great. I love Second City and I met... Um, like, do you feel like you knew one person out in LA before you moved out? Mm, not really. No, you didn't have anyone. I met a guy at Second City named Mike Markowitz <laughs> who became my best friend. And then he got a job out here writing for TV. And that's uh-huh. when I moved out. I feel like if you know one person in LA. I did know someone, but they, you know, I mean, I, I have an aunt and uncle I lived with, but no. Oh, okay. You know, it was a little different. Okay. Anyway, once I knew one person, I was like, wow, I could actually vision moving out to LA because my friend Mike, who I met from Second City was out here. And did you make, so you made it all the way through all the levels? I did. Yeah. Did you have to repeat any? I don't think I repeated any. No, I think I just kept going. And then I toured not with Second City, but with another company out of Chicago. And I did that for a while. And then I, um, you know, it's just so exciting to be there to see like Stephen Colbert and Steve Are these Carell. people you were working with on yeah, stage? Well, they were all people who were in the main stage shows while I was in the school. 
you know, so they'd come through our class and sometimes they'd occasionally sub and teach. But a you class. didn't know, like, they didn't really have the credits they have now. No. Like, they, you were went, just, they were just guys who they were, were just guys. doing the thing. I know. Did you know Steve Carell was that hilarious when you saw him? Yes. Like, this guy's got something? Oh, definitely. What about uh, Tina Fey? Did you see her there? I was in a, uh, a, a playwriting competition with Tina Fey. Yeah. And yeah, did you see the talent? Her. Um, you know, I didn't really know her, but I just, I just thought everyone, I always think everyone doing it is just extremely talented. You know what I mean? Like I, but there are admittedly some who are better. That's true. But do you feel this way? When I see someone who's doing something that they love and they're not that good at it, that inspires me, <laughs> you know, like there's, there was always this, a person in my second city class who was so bad and she thought she was so good. Which, yeah. She, I mean, and I don't know if that's ego or what that is, but the fact that she was just so confident in what she was doing and it was so bad, I was a little jealous of that. Hmm. You know, that she could just throw it out there and be like, I'm brilliant. Like, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> but you don't care. Was this all the way at the main stage or on the way? On the way. Because uh, the way it works at Second City, if you don't know, you have to take classes and... You, they, you have to audition at a certain point, a bunch of points. And if they don't feel you're ready to move on, you've got to repeat the class. So mm. that's what we're talking about. Right, right. Uh, like at the Groundlings too. Yeah. And I right. took classes at Second City Did you? for a minute. Did you? Who was your teacher? Um, Do you remember? Yeah, but I'm not. I'd okay. rather not say. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> just because the guy just, I I still have a bit of a, sure. a, the guy still annoys me. Sure. But I'll yeah, tell I you. Yeah, I probably had him. But um, I did a... I, the thing was, if I don't get moved up, I'm going to move to LA. That was really? my thing. Oh, wow. It was after like level two. Okay. And I didn't move up and I was gone within a month. Wow. Because I was like, I don't want to invest my whole life here. Yeah. I'd rather come out to LA and invest my career here yeah. than in Chicago. Oh, you were smart. So, well, There's so much opportunity out here. Yeah. Now you moved out here single, right? I did. Yeah. And I, I just had one friend. I remember that uh, you told a story once on set about Steve Martin. I was wondering if you could share that with us. I, um... She's blushing. Yeah, yeah. I probably wouldn't share that story. That's not a story for no. her. Okay, but no. it would be fair to say you knew him when he was single and... I you did. You didn't really date him. I had an opportunity to meet him. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Well, you'll have to... This will be for her book. It is a fair question. <laughs> it is a fair question. Do you have any other, any LA dating stories that you could share with us that uh, stick out? Mm, let's see. L.A. dating stories. Because um, I picture you kind of being a fish out of water. You know, there's a certain, and I don't know if this is true, but an innocence about you that you present. Really? Yeah. Are you as innocent truly as that persona? Oh, God, it's a heated question. Um, well, I'm sure in some ways I am. But I mean, I definitely have had life experiences that you'd be like, oh, that's, that's not innocent at all. Because I think that's where a lot of humor, you know, like the yeah. persona of being this kind of uncomfortable with yeah. adult type things. Oh, completely. Works. Completely. You know, you have a, a certain essence about you that is just, that's funny. Really? I, I believe so. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And it's not everyone has it. Right. You know, and hopefully they have some kind of funny in their own way. But yeah. I think that your kind of funny is that kind of awkward. Definitely. Um, definitely feel awkward. Yeah, but it's a fun Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of awkwardness. So is there anything we haven't really covered that um, you'd like to talk about that, you know, while I have this time together? Um, I like to cartoon. You're a cartoonist? I'm a cartoonist. I'm, you know, I don't, 
I mean, uh, I cartoon and I've been doing it since I was little and I just started teaching cartooning in my daughter's school and then I got a grant and I started, now I'm doing more cartooning. Is that something in the future you'd like to be doing more? Probably, yeah. Now, I, I do remember now because you said you brought some books. Is yes. that the cartooning? Yes. And you did mention you had done a drawing, you had done something of me. I did, I drew a cartoon, so a cartoon. of you. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, uh, can I see what yeah. you've done? Um, well, you said that you wanted me to draw you surfing. <laughs> we, I, I forgot, know, yeah. I mean, now I, yeah, I would, that's true. I did. Right? So I Because I always surf. That's the stereotype. That's the stereotype. But that's you. more caricature, right? Or is that cartooning? I don't know. I just, I drew a picture of you um, surfing. <laughs> and then I put a mic in your hand because that's you're good. an entertainer. That looks I wrote, good. You're entertaining the Is there a shark in there? Probably. <laughs> You're so good. It's it, it's it's, it's very under the waves. Let me do that. I'll I'll hold this for the camera. Yeah, that's you You've, surfing. Do I have big teeth. Like You're that? still holding your podcast. You're just very happy. I am. I'm. And pretty you got happy. your hat on. I like that. See, so you're making the waves laugh. And let's see. Can we, are your books for sale? Yes, they are for sale. Can I, I see have them? two children's books. One is called "The Girl You Are." That's there. You are. And right? What does this talk about? Um, just about different kinds of girls. Are there, is there more than one? <laughs> <laughs> well, probably. Like confident one? Like yeah. that kind of oh, thing? Oh, definitely. So and then girl empowerment? Uh, yeah, I would say it's a girl empowerment. I'm going to write the boy you are. And then this one is, my friend wrote it, but I did the illustrations. That's about a Martian who turns five on Mars. Okay, where can people, where can uh, all they of can you? find that at my website, myfriendmary.com. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Because I am your friend named Mary, so... It'd be funny if there were one that I'm not your friend. Yeah. Yeah. Don't <laughs> yes. go there. Not very not friendly. Not today. Well, um, and as far as your stand-up, you're doing that in LA. So if people want to find you, you post or you talk yeah, about Yeah, I probably and... put that on my website when I do that. I okay. Think. Now I really want to meet your, your militant parents. I know, right? Yeah. And you know what's so funny is if they were here, you'd be like, oh my gosh, they're just so like, they're so lovely. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't, you'd be like, what is she talking about with the strict... You know what I mean? Like they're just very um, personable people, you know? Right. So I think sometimes maybe I've imagined these things from childhood that they were a certain way mm -hmm. because, you know, now they're older and they're like, oh, Mary, you always make up these stories. No, I didn't. This was the way it was. You were strict. They don't see it that way. I don't think they see it that way. No, I think they think that I probably embellish or something. I mean, come on. <laughs> Who would do that for comedy? Have you done your stand-up before? For them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's a lot about them, right? Is it, yeah, it has been a lot about them. Yeah, the best thing someone ever said about comedy writing to me was, use the truth as a uh, springboard, not as an anchor. Uh, oh, use the good. truth as a springboard, not as an anchor. That's really good. And yeah, on stage. Yeah, because what actually happened is never that funny. Not as you funny. Can imagine. But it can be a springboard to the funny. Yeah. Because a lot of newer comics or writers are very married to the truth. Yeah. And they, for some reason, there's this instinct that they must be truthful on stage. But on stage is a place where you don't have to be truthful. The, the joke or the humor must be truthful. The, the nugget of what's funny must be truthful. But the specifics aren't as necessary. Right. The problem is when people take that idea... I believe, and they use it on the street. That's called lying. Right. That's not cool. Yeah. But on stage, mm. we have that permission. Yeah. So that's what it sounds like you do with your parents. They I like that. They give you that. a lot of gems. Yeah, exactly. They really do. And it's funny because they love it too. You oh, know what I mean? They'll be done. like, oh, 
come on. I don't know where you get this stuff, but they love that I talk about yeah. them. Well, we are out of time. Thank you, Vic Owen. Thanks. Yeah, it was so fun spending time with you. This was awesome. Thank you. Thank Thanks you so for much for having me. Oh, for sure. I'm so happy you uh, you made the time. Me too. And thank you guys for making the time. You can subscribe on iTunes. I hope you do. We have some other really fun, great episodes. Other friends of mine. And, and episode uh, 58, which is amazing. Yes, thank you. I'm oh so my God, that's such a good episode. With, thank you. That's a homeless guy, Keith, that I brought in the studio. And it's pretty interesting. Pretty incredible. Oh, thank you. All right, we'll see you soon. That's my goodbye. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair question. It's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair quest, quest, question. Quest, quest.